0: This morning we'll be in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 25, as we continue to work our way through the book of Ephesians. I'm sorry, Galatians. Did I say Ephesians? I was really enjoying that song. I don't even know where I am. It's going to take me a second. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 25. We've been working through Galatians, not Ephesians, as I should know. I've been preaching on it for months, so here we go. Today we're going to talk about the purpose of our freedom in Christ, why God has set us free. And I know that we talked about this a few weeks ago before I left for Tanzania, but we need to talk about freedom again and what exactly it means to be free. Because sometimes I think that our emphasis on salvation is unbalanced. I'm not going to say it's incorrect, but we don't do a good job of balancing what it means to be saved, why God saved us. So I want you to think to yourself for a moment, what do you think it means to be saved? What do you think the point of being saved is? Let me ask that. What do you think the purpose and the point of salvation, why did God send His Son to save you? What do you think those purposes are? Don't just think of one. Maybe you could think of your top five. I'd be very interested if we could just hand out papers and say... Write down the top five reasons you believe the purpose for which God saved you. What are those five things? The top five things for which God saved you. And I think it would tell us a lot about our teaching, about ourselves, about where we are, how we answered that. Why did God set you free? What was the point? How would you answer that question? If you were to make a mental list of these, I think maybe you would say, well, Jesus... The Lord saved me to forgive me of my sins, to cancel my sin debt. And that would be correct. Uh, God saved me so that I could go to heaven and spend eternity with Him. I think that that would probably be in a lot of people's top five. So God saved us to forgive us of our sin. God saved us to let us be with Him forever in heaven. We're going to be resurrected and given new bodies. And these are wonderful things. These are great things. But what about in between? In other words, we talk a lot about Jesus saved you. Jesus is sending you to heaven when you die. You will go to heaven to be with him when you die. But what about this space in between where we are now? We talk about Jesus saved us, past tense. We're going to heaven, future tense. Nobody wants to hurry that up that I know of. You don't want to hurry up and die. What are you supposed to be doing between salvation and death? What about those purposes in-between. Why did God set you free? What did He do that for? There you were, shackled in sin, dead in trespasses, and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, set you free. Why did He do that? That's the question we want to answer today. What is the purpose of your freedom in Christ? What is the reason for which Christ set you free? I'll begin reading in verse 13. We'll go to verse 25 of Galatians 5. For you, will be, you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you'll be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't know what you want. That's so huge. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, oh man, are they? The works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envies, drunkenness, carousing, or anything similar. I'm warning you about these things. As I warned you before, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited or arrogant, provoking one another, envying one. What does it mean to be free? We talk a lot, and I talked again about this a few weeks ago, but I want to make sure we get it. What does it mean to be free? We live in the land of the free, right? The home of the brave. What does it mean to be free? There's a trick. There's a trick in it. Because our culture teaches us sometimes to be free means to do whatever you want, and that is true. You are free to do whatever you want, but here's the the thing is you always do whatever you want. Even a person who hangs himself. Everybody does what they want to do. If freedom is simply defined as doing whatever you want to do, then everybody on God's green earth is free. Now, you may not want to do this, and I, I've said this before. You may think you don't want to do something that you're doing, but you really do because you dread the consequence of something else worse. In other words, you may not want to go to work in the morning. <laughs> Some of you may not want to go to work in the morning. I made a bad joke earlier about teachers having to go back to work in a couple of weeks. Sorry about that. You may not want to go, but you will because you want to be able to pay your bills, you want to be able to eat. You want to be able to do things with money that you want to do. So even though you may not feel like going to work tomorrow or in a couple of weeks, you're going to go because you want money and the ability to provide for your family more than you want to stay home and sleep and not do anything. So while you may not want to go to work, you really do want to go to work because you want other things more. So we have to think about the purpose for which we go. Because I might not want to go to work tomorrow, and I need to remember why I go. Why you go. What does it mean to be free? It is not simply doing whatever you want to do. I'm sorry, America. That's not freedom. Freedom is doing whatever God wants to do. That's freedom. Everything else, according to the Apostle Paul, is slavery. Doing what you want to do without regard to what God wants us to do is slavery. It's not freedom. And so America, the land of the free, has been sold a lie. That is, true freedom is the ability to do whatever you want to do, say whatever you want to say, worship wherever you want to worship. That's not true biblical freedom. In fact, when Christ sets a person free, it doesn't matter if they live here or in an oppressive regime overseas. Because true freedom is doing what God wants us to do. and That is something that no government, no dictator, no king can take from us. That's freedom. So why did God set you free? And what does it mean for Him to set you free? People who are not in Jesus are not free. Because they will never desire to do the things God wants them to do. Never. Those without faith cannot please God. The Word of God says this. They will never desire anything but to feed the flesh. They will only seek to promote themselves. And they don't realize this. Not everybody realizes this. Even Christians sometimes do this. In fact, we do it a lot. We think that we're doing a good thing for a good reason. But really, our purpose in our freedom is not to please God, but to make ourselves look better, to convince ourselves we are better Christians, to convince ourselves of a hundred things other than pleasing God. Why has God set you free to want the things that He wants? When God breaks the shackles, of sin in your life and wakens your soul from death to life, what does he want you to do? Why is he setting you free? So that you can see him. So you can desire the things he desires and so that you can know true joy, love, peace, patience, and kindness. So you will know what it is to live. The first thing Paul says here, when you are set free, what are you set free for? He says, you are free. You were called to be free, brothers and sisters, to serve one another. What it means to be free is to serve each other. Not like what our culture teaches. Our culture right now teaches us that true freedom is found in individual expression doing whatever you want to do. And nobody can tell you otherwise. That's true freedom in our culture. Use whatever bathroom you want to use. Doesn't matter what gender you were born. Be whatever gender you pick. It doesn't make any difference. You can do anything you want to do. You can marry whoever you want to marry. You can... Not yet, but probably soon. You can marry as many as you want to marry at once. Don't laugh. Fifteen years ago, if I'd have told you you can marry anybody you wanted to, you might have laughed then. We don't know where this thing's headed. There's almost no taboos because our culture is teaching us that autonomous individualism, doing whatever you want, that is freedom and that is a lie. The God of this current age is the God of freedom. It's cloaked in pretend freedom that is actual slavery. The God of this world tells you you define you and no one else. Not your peers, not your parents, or God. You are not accountable to anyone. And anyone who tells you you can't do what you want to do, you ditch them and find someone who will affirm the things that you want to do. No one can judge you. And while that is a disguise of freedom, Paul says here, Oh, brothers and sisters, do not use the guise of freedom to sin as Paul said don't use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh and that is exactly the cloak that the devil wears I'm going to tell you right now our culture the way that freedom works the devil would be happy to come to you dressed like evil can evil in an American flag and look like hey I'm here to set you free and you don't know that behind his back he's got the cuffs and you're going to be enslaved Biblical freedom is not freedom to do whatever you want. Biblical freedom is, first of all, set free to serve others. You can do whatever you want, but it is only freedom if you do what God wants you to do. Our liberty is constrained by the love of God. The boundaries of our freedom end where God's will ends. You can do whatever you want. I said this about tonight. You can do whatever you want. We don't have services. Only do the things, though, that please God. Then you're free. But anything else, and the reason God doesn't want you to do the things which he doesn't desire for you is because that's a pit and a trap and a soul killer. It is a sin which easily entangles. And that's where the world lives. When we are set free, then, it is not a freedom to sate our desires on self-indulgence. It is the freedom to serve out of love. We serve out of love. We serve others. Instead of self-seeking, we become others-oriented. That's why God has set you free. He set you free to forgive you of your sins, yes. He set you free so that you could live forever together with Him in heaven, yes. But He set you free to serve. And you could not do that before. It is a gift to serve in love. To see people as God sees them. To serve them for Christ's sake and no gain of your own. To think of them as greater than yourself. This is why God has set you free. To serve. Not to serve yourself. The purpose of our freedom in Christ is the freedom to serve others. He set us free to serve others, and He set us free from the works of the flesh. Look at this list the things that we've been set free from. The Word of God is inspired and holy and good. But when I see this word here, it makes me pause and I think, did Paul see 2019 when he says the works of the flesh are obvious? Are they obvious now? Look at this list. Seems to be some confusion. Sexual immorality, is that obvious? Is it possible that we live in such a debased culture and time that we don't even know what sexual immorality is? What is sexual immorality? What does the world say it is? You know why the world says sexual immorality? It it pretty much doesn't exist in our culture. There's about two horrible sins I won't even mention that the world might still say is sexual immorality, but other than that, it's pretty much anything goes. Paul says it's obvious, and it should be obvious to you and me. Sexual immorality is sexual conduct outside of the covenant of marriage because God means for you to be a husband and a wife before he means you to be sexually active. It's the gift that comes after the promise. Moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery. You know what sorcery is? Are there any sorcerers in here? Give it up. Stop doing that. It's wicked. Sorcery is consulting with the dead, sorcery is doing divination by false gods in order to receive power or prophecy or anything like that. Don't be a sorcerer. It's wicked. Hatred is wicked. Strife is wicked. Jealousy is wicked. Outbursts of anger, wicked. Selfish ambition. Look at this, dissension and faction. Tribalism is wicked. And what does that mean? It means that when you are a person constantly on the hunt of how to kick other people out of the circle, you are a divisive, dissentious, factionless person. And it is an obvious work of the flesh. The Spirit of God in your flesh... In opposition. And sometimes the war is so great, the Bible says here in verse 17, that you don't even know what you want. Remember, I said free true freedom. True freedom is being set free to do what God wants us to do, but sin makes us want what we want and not what God wants. And sometimes we are so sin sick we can't tell the thing we should want to do. And so we sin. What do these sins have in common biblically? What do they have in common here? They are born of selfish desire, covetousness, and sinful lust, and they're born from pride. This is what it means to walk in the flesh, is to do things to satiate our own personal desires apart from what God wishes or wants us to do. I'll tell you how self-deception starts and pride begins. Is telling ourselves when we're unhappy that God just wants me to be happy. When we know that the only way to make ourselves happy is to do the things which God doesn't really want us to do. God doesn't want me to be unhappy. God doesn't want you to be unhappy. He wants you to be filled with joy. But he wants you to obey him and find joy in that. And sometimes when you can't find joy in obeying the word of the Lord, it is your problem, my problem not his problem. So we start to lie to ourselves. God wants me to have joy. God wants me to have peace. I'm in this relationship. I don't have joy and peace and so I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to do something else. There's a million ways that we can be deceived and if we separate ourselves from community of the church and from God's word, we won't know which way to go. You won't know up from down. We need one another. We too easily skip over the sins of dissension and factions. Our culture's eaten up with it. Eaten up with tribalism. It is destroying our culture. It is destroying our country. Faction and it's destroying our churches. Factionism backbonding, devouring, hatred, thinking worse of the other instead of charitably. It is everywhere. They bear special consideration. If your tribal interests are over human interest, you're in a faction. And it's bad. Watch out. We will devour one another. God set us free from that. in Christ, that's one of the reasons. So there we were, chained to our sin, dead in trespasses. God in his providence, kindness, and mercy says, I'm going to set my son free. I'm going to set my daughter free. I'm going to set them free from the things which I just described. I'm going to set them free from their sin. I'm going to set them free to go to heaven. I'm going to set them free to serve others. This is why he has condescended. To save us, it's the purpose of our salvation. It's so that now that we've been free, we might help others find freedom. So we're free to serve others, we're free from the works of the flesh, and we're free to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Look at the fruits of the Spirit. We saw the fruits of the flesh. What are the fruits of the Spirit? It's interesting because these seem to describe a state of mind over action. You look and you see what the Flesh is, is mostly, not entirely, but it's mostly things that we are doing. But here it seems that the fruit of the Spirit is mostly a state of mind. Unlike spiritual gifts, we're supposed to express all of these fruits. You're not supposed to have all the spiritual gifts, but you are supposed to have all the fruits of the Spirit. And what are they? Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. It's really hard in our pop culture to ask you, what is love? Because I know what half of you are going to think. And uh, afterwards, I'll tell you if you don't know, but what is love? What is it? The Bible says here that the fruit of the Spirit is love. What is love? We don't know what love is in our culture. In our culture, mostly, it's not totally true, but mostly I think people define love as something that you like a lot. Love is something that I like a whole lot that I can't do without. That's actually not love. Because that's centered right here. And when I stop doing that, then I guess I'm out of love. Love is not something that you like a lot. Not for your sake. Love is loving others and wanting them to excel. And that you are willing to pay the price to see it happen. Always living for other. That's love. Love is a covenant till death do us part, even when they act wickedly, sinfully, don't do the things that I want, that I constantly serve, that they might excel, because they're better than me. Love is thinking less of ourselves than others. Love is Jesus. Love is Jesus. Jesus washing the feet of disciples, service to them. What did he gain? What did Jesus gain from that? We add nothing to his divinity when we come to Jesus. When he sets us free, we add nothing to him, and if we were not saved, we would take nothing from him. He did it because he loves. He died because he loves. He lives because he loves. Even now, of all the things Jesus could be doing, he's interceding for his people. He is good. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and if you don't have it, you're not a Christian. It's not like the world loves. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Peace, patience, fruit of the Spirit. What do these things have in common? If you look at these and you think that these are the emotions you're supposed to have as you look at the beach and sit by yourself, you don't understand what Paul's saying in context. The reason that you need these fruits of the Spirit is because you're living with sinners. Because it might be easy to be joyful and peaceful by yourself, but put you in a room full of kids and other sinners, and pretty soon you might feel your peace being jostled. What in the world do you need patience for if you're not interacting with others just because you're building something out in the shop and hit your thumb with a hammer? You need patience not just for yourself. Quit thinking about yourself and think about how these things are useful for others. What does it do to a room full of people when you're full of the shining joy of the Holy Spirit? What does it do to a room full of people when you love them unconditionally and love them and all you want for them is the best for them? And even if they put you down, despise you, sin against you, you still want their best and pray for them. What does that do? When you're patient with people's shortcomings, with their sin, with their actions, when they won't listen, when they won't listen to reason, they still go out of their way to do wrong, and you're patient, you're kind, and you're good, and you're faithful, you're always there. You're that person that somebody feels like they can call anytime, day or night, and you will be there, no matter what they've done. Gentleness self-control. The fruits of the Spirit are meant to be lived out in community. The entire point of salvation is for others. And the beauty of that is as you serve others, you're filled with the joy of your master. So it's no hard thing to serve others because that is where your joy is found. If you concentrate, as C.S. Lewis said, on the joy itself, it will go away. The joy is the byproduct of service and love especially when it's hard. These are the things for which Christ has set us free. We are supposed to be doing things in the world. Serving, loving, caring, being joyful, being self-controlled in a world that's out of control. Avoiding immorality in a world that doesn't know right from wrong. I'm reminded of Jonah not wanting to go preach from Nineveh. You you, you remember, God called him, Jonah, go preach in Nineveh, and he said no, and tried to go to Tarshish, right? The Lord raked him, sent him to the bottom of the sea. A big fish swallows him, spits him out, and says, (laughs) okay, I'll go to Nineveh. That's about as big a sign from the Lord as I've ever read. So he goes and he preaches, and he's mad because they convert. Remember? He didn't even preach a very good sermon in my estimation, although it was great bounty reaped from it because of the Spirit. Yet 40 days and God will overthrow and everybody repents and all the preachers that read it get jealous. Like, what in the world? Preached for 45 minutes and I think it was pretty outstanding and nobody put on sackcloth and ashes. He goes around, he didn't even want to be there, and preaches 40 days and God will overthrow and the whole country gets saved. (laughs) And what does he do? He goes and sits on a hill and pouts. Because he didn't want these people to get saved. He didn't want God to spare them. God grows up the bush. Remember, it's a broom tree or something, a juniper, and it gives him shade, and it keeps the hot sun off the top of his head, and he's super happy. And then a worm comes and eats it, and it dies, and he's mad about the plant that dies. Jonah was an angry person. And this is what really gets me every time I think about that. He says, Jonah, you're upset about the shade tree dying. I've got 200,000 people in Nineveh. Here's what he says. Who don't know their right hand from their left. They don't know their right hand from their left, he said. What does that mean? They don't even know what they're doing is wrong, Jonah. They don't know. That's what Jesus said, wasn't it? These people, I have compassion on them. They're driven about all over the place. They're like a sheep without a shepherd. They don't know. What did he say when he was being crucified? Father, forgive them. Why? They don't even know what they're doing. They don't know. We are set free so that they may know the truth, the beauty the love of God in Christ. That it's worth it to follow Him, to plow, to never look back. This is why God set you free. It's not just so you can sit around and wait for heaven. We don't only sing songs because God gave us victory on the day He saved us, but because He's going to give us victory tomorrow. Because we're going to walk in the Spirit. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I like that. We're moving. We're doing stuff. We're going with God. We're doing the works. Remember our Savior said, I'm only doing the works that I see my Father doing. What are we supposed to be doing? We're only supposed to be doing the works that we saw our Master doing. What did he do? He loved. He took time for people. He cared for them. He was patient. He was kind. He was gentle. He was long-suffering. A bruised, worried. He will not break a smoking flax. He will not snuff out. We walk with the Spirit. We have things to do. There is a reason that God has set us free. He set us free to worship Him, to love Him, to have the mind of Christ Jesus, to know the things which He knows, to feel the love which He feels, to help the people, to see them as image bearers, to work for their good, to pity them when they don't know their right hand from their left. To help them see and to shake them up that Christ Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if they want to know the difference between right and wrong, they need to look to the Lord. That's what God has called us to. That's why He set us free. We are His people. Without love, joy, peace, and patience and kindness and self-control, we will abandon every relationship and give up on others when we should stick with them. And that is decidedly not what God wants us to do. So, brothers and sisters, I think we would do well to consider the purpose of our freedom in Christ. Why has God made us free men and free women? What does he want from us? He wants us to walk with him. He wakes you up to say, come here, daughter. Let's go. And as we go, let's make disciples of all nations. Come on, let's go. Let's change the world one person at a time. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray this morning all over the city right now. There are brothers and sisters who are sitting under the preaching of our brothers, and we pray that you will help them to see Jesus more, to see them better. We pray for our friends overseas who labor, some of whom we can't mention because they're in places where it's dangerous. Lord, we pray for David and Holly in Senegal as they're trying to learn the language there so that they can disciple people and spread this joy, and that they're using their freedom to set others free. Be with Rejoice Church in Tanzania. Lord, prosper them and grow them. Help all those pastors who so humbly submit to your word and are hungry to learn more of Jesus and more of the word. Lord, be with them and prosper their churches and help them in the way that they go. Be with our brother Chris Todd as he's here in the United States on a little furlough. Pray that he will find a time of refreshing and that those who support him will help him feel encouraged. And Lord, I pray for every one of us in here. Lord, you've set us free. I hope that we will use our freedom to help others see the joy and the beauty in Christ. If there's someone in this room, Lord, who has not been set free, or even one of your brother, uh, one of your beloved children, who's been ensnared by sin, God, break the chains again, set them free. And Lord, help us to love your will. Help us to love your word. Help us to love the accountability of the saints. Help us to love everything about your kingdom. Lord, be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand.